Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Valerie Schmidt. Val is a funky, tatted, altruistic babe with maybe a little bit of a mischievous side. We chat about the unique and surprising ways keyboards are used in theater productions, how being on the keys grants her access to parts of the theater process that not everyone is privy to, and finally she gives me a brief insight on her work with the medically fragile and Alzheimer's patients. On with the show. And we're recording. So welcome Valerie Schmidt to Sarnia Famous. I usually try to open up the show by talking about how I work with the person or have worked with the person, theater capacity, in the past. We hadn't even officially met until a few moments ago. And to be totally honest, I decided to reach out to you simply because Frank Brennan had said, you have to interview Val. So here we are, a little awkward, but thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Kind of funny, too, because you had a, a call with him just before jumping on with me. So I did. He was actually, we were rehearsing in my living room for uh, something rotten. Oh. And uh, he must have asked me three times, so when do you see Dallas? And I said, oh, in a few minutes. And <laughs> it was kind of funny. I had to keep looking cute. at the clock. It's cute. Um, yeah, we had, I had really fun time interviewing Frank. I have this crazy microphone uh, that picks up everything and whenever a vehicle would drive by my house he would be like yeah does that sound like that is Frank. (laughs) He he hears everything for sure. Yeah yeah kind of wild but yeah so um uh Sarni Famous we're just here to chat really casually about theater stuff so one of the most common things I ask people is, you know, how did you get involved in theater stuff? Oh, gosh. Well, I grew up in Guelph and always did music from the time I was little. Our whole family did music. It was the only thing we were allowed to do. And uh, my mom always said, you know, if you go far enough in music, you can always have a job. I'm like, all right. So anyway, once I got into university at Guelph, well, even in high school, I did a couple of musicals and then just continued on in uh, university. And then when I moved to Sarnia, I married into um, kind of a very engineering sort of family. Nobody did music. Like My husband does no music at all. And so it took me a little while to sort of find my niche of, of the arts. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the first people I talked to in town was Tim Hummel and Carrie Beauchamp. And that's how I got my name out there that I played. And I've been playing for various groups ever since and love it. It's probably my very favorite thing to do is to play in the orchestras for shows, for sure. That's interesting because even like just to look at you, you've got very funky hair. Is that like a little streak <laughs> of purple in there or something? Yeah, yeah, that's I a love it. Like yeah, very bright colors. I think I noticed the tattoo. Like you seem like a very creative, very dynamic personality. And to hear that you married an engineer, like it, you guys sound a bit like opposites. That be we accurate? can be. Yeah, we're pretty opposite. It's sort of funny because out of the two of us, I would have expected me to be the more sensitive, more emotional one. And you know what? My husband, that guy is a crier. I mean, I couldn't even cry at my wedding because he sucked the tears right out of me. (laughs) It's sort of funny. Like, he is Mr. Math, but holy smokes, he is the most sensitive bunny 
for Aww. sure out of the two of us. So it's kind of funny. I love that. My husband is very sensitive too. And I, I think it's one of the things that I love most about him because I don't think it's easy for men to be emotional. Even we've come a long way in this, in this world, but I don't think it's easy for them. The society no. certainly doesn't make it easy for them to be emotional. So it's nice no, to I hear. Totally, I totally agree. That's why I think too, um, being in theater, especially for the show I'm doing right now, theater is sort of that world that allows people to emote and show a bit of that sensitivity and I love watching that. I like watching that process and watching some guys that haven't really been allowed to emote in their regular lives kind of have that permission when they're on stage. It's kind of neat to see. That's a really good point in a theater mm -hmm. capacity. That is a welcome space where they're allowed, if not encouraged, to use the wide range of emotions. That's a really good yeah. point. Absolutely. Um, so forgive me, I, I don't know what you play music-wise. Well, I minored on clarinet in university, but I grew up on piano. Piano is my main instrument. And so often, most often in shows, I'm playing uh, keyboards, and which also involves a lot of sound effects. So all the keyboard players now play with laptops hooked up to their their keyboards so we can provide sounds like, I don't know, the harp or the lute or saxophone or, you know, various instruments. So wow. it's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it's, it can be kind of hard because it's, um, you have to really multitask because not oh. only are you trying to play your score, but you have to know when the sound effects are coming up and hope that you push the right button to change the right sound. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, ridiculous. So how do, really you, how do you manage that? Do you have, like, stickers on the keys or, like, uh, just... So, yeah, and you have, like, a big upset stomach a lot of the time <laughs> <laughs> you're first learning. <laughs> like, you're just a big nervous wreck. It's terrible. <laughs> and right now my daughter's also playing in the show that we're working on, and it's her first time, and she's doing all these sound effects, and... There's just no way she can change quick enough. Aww. And I keep laughing at her because she's like, I'm so mean. <laughs> I'm super stressed. I'm like, you know what? You're going to get it. But, you know, it just takes some multitasking. And I think I remember playing in Spam a lot, and one of my sounds was a cow. <laughs> and it was supposed to moo, and I pushed it right at the wrong time. And that's just what the theater heard was a random, you know, cow sound. It's just so stressful. Like, I wasn't trained to do sound effects. I just want to play a piano. Yeah. I don't want a computer hooked up to it. There was no classes on, on moo cows or things like no. that. <laughs> no. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but really funny. That's kind of special, though. So your daughter is playing alongside you type thing in this show? Yeah. So she's playing. There's three keyboards in the show. I'm on keys one, which plays a lot of the conductor score, a lot of the vocal parts. I'm what the cast will hear when they're on stage. My part will come through. Um, my daughter's playing keys number two, which is a ton of sound effects. And then another friend is playing keys number three, which is a lot of string patches, a lot of cello, a lot of violin sounds, stuff like that. Cool. So today Frank came over to kind of get us both hooked up and see how our sounds matched and she okay. has to get used to how he conducts and yeah. oh, it's a pretty yes. fun world. <laughs> That's so cool. So I guess like, I don't know what I thought those sounds were made with. Perhaps I thought they were something, you know, in the sound booth, not oh, necessarily. Yes, or is that sometimes the case that it comes from the sound booth or is it always? Yeah. 
No, sometimes sounds come from the sound booth if we can't find a sound patch that suits. There have been times it can come from the sound booth. For the most part, it is done within the orchestra, oh. off keyboard. And it also, say, I mean, because there's budgets, right, you can't always have a full live orchestra, right? So a lot of things now are covered by keyboards, unless they can stretch the budget and we can get live musicians in. And with Frank, it's really nice. Frank, I think most people prefer to work with live musicians, and Frank works really hard to make sure that can happen. Yeah. So what gets lost, though, if it's like a, a harp, say, for instance, being played on a keyboard? Um, I'm not even sure if the audience would notice it so much okay. because people so far. I miss any of, I miss the human component to it. I miss yeah. the dynamics of it, being able to you know, incorporate all the louds and softs to some of the more digital sounds, it's always nicer to have a live instrument, 100%. There's only so much a keyboard can do, but... Yeah, and you know, it's probably those those delicate layers that the audience doesn't even fully realize that are there, like those louds and softs that, yeah. um, that are missing from that. But like you say, yeah. especially with community theater, if you've got a budget, you got to try and do what you can to fit within it. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, normally, I would say, I think we have, I think we have 12 people in this pit. It might be 14, but I think it's 12, and that's a pretty big pit. I mean, normally pits are, I would say, under eight people, and I've played with as few as three, you know, so. So, what's your, so your your preference is a larger group of people Um, or a smaller group? I like a larger group just because yeah. it's fun and it's our own little world back there because we play in a separate, we play in the warehouse rather than under the stage. Right. And when you're playing with the same musicians in a lot of the shows, you, you are definitely a little family uh-huh. and it's kind of fun to hang out with those people for, yeah. you know, multiple nights and I like it. So do you, okay, so right now you're working on something rotten, correct? Yes. Have you, yes. you guys haven't gone to stage yet. Have you? No, it actually, uh, we, we've rehearsed on stage, but the show doesn't open until next Friday. So we have another week and a half. Fabulous show, great cast. It's heavy on guys, which was a concern. I was playing the auditions, and sometimes it's hard to get enough guys, and guys that can dance. Mm. And this show, I'm telling you, it is stacked with some pretty talented people. And all of the guys that came out to audition are are fabulous as are the women a very very fun show it's a very um positive feel good group of people so i have to say um it's a lot of rehearsal time for me but it's also my hobby too so i kind of feel like when i get to go and rehearse it's just this beautiful spare time and i get to hear great harmonies and watch people dance and see this whole show come together which is what i love has there been a lot of roadblocks? Like, I feel like we're kind of coming out of the dark ages with uh, the pandemic. So are you guys still experiencing any big roadblocks with that? Or how's that evolving? Um, well, yes, because there have been people in the cast get COVID, which means that oh. they're going to be absent from rehearsals. And if people had been in close contact with them and singing, mm-hmm. um, I mean, everybody's masked all the time. Uh, but there have been roadblocks. This is also the first show that there have to be understudies because if somebody all of a sudden oh. gets sick, normally there aren't understudies yeah. for any of the leads. And this time there are. Uh, I feel very bad for the cast at times because they are trying to sing and dance and they have to be masked. And it's very hot. 
And it's difficult. And it's really difficult for Frank, who's conducting the music, because he relies on reading their mouths at times. Oh, yes. Plus, he's also trying to help them with words. Yeah. And that can't happen either. So that's sort of tough. But once we move into the theater full-time next week, we'll be taking rapid tests and making sure. Now, in the pit, we still have to wear masks. But on stage, they'll be able to finally go without them. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain. That's probably putting it mildly. So of your experience, do you have any favorites that you've worked on? Favorite shows? Uh, yeah, I would say I really, really loved Alter Boys, which was put on years ago. And it was just a very small cast of guys, but they were fabulous. A small little orchestra that was on stage. Um, and I think I, that was the storyline of the show I loved. I loved Les Mis, uh, mm. Carrie Beauchamp's Hidden Talents put that on, and uh, the costumes and the creativity behind that show was pretty fun to see. It's a big show, and for a relatively small town to put that on, it was very impressive. And then I've always loved helping out with Hidden Talents, Glee and Nightingale, because I get to play the auditions for little kids. And playing for some little kids that have never auditioned before. And they're so cute. And sometimes they're really, really good. Mm -hmm. And you know that they're good and they're going to be fine. They're going to get in. And sometimes they're just not good. (laughs) But they're giving it their all, you know. And you know that they're going to become little stars. Um, And then you get the ones that are really good, but they're so scared and... But you get to help them through the process. So listening to little kids um, sing together in harmony and see some of the talent that this city has is is pretty phenomenal. And as a piano player, I love watching the whole process because I get to see everything that goes on in every rehearsal. (laughs) And I get to see every audition and I get to meet the people that, you know, think they were awesome but you know could use a little finessing and then I see the people that are amazing but just get so taken over by nerves and whatnot so I like to work with the singers and help them with that process of auditioning and helping them get through it and plus a lot of them will come to my living room and rehearse before they go for an audition so to me what a great gift that I just have people coming through my living room singing beautiful music and I love that my kids get to hear that, too. You know, it's pretty fun. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty good job. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i not a singer or musically inclined in any way, so I haven't been to an audition. Uh, and, and the only musical that I was involved in um, was Wizard of Oz, and I was one of two characters that didn't have to sing. And I just kind of hid whenever there was anything like that going on. So when you say, as a as um, someone who's on the keyboard, you get to be there for that whole process, why is that? Why do you, what is it about the, being on the keys that gets you into all of those spots? Well, I think because usually I'm the rehearsal pianist, I'm going to be in the orchestra, and people know that oftentimes a director will say, or it'll be announced that if you want to rehearse, with the pianist before auditions here's her information here's her name and so there's many times before auditions people can call me ahead of time and I'll always know what the requirements are for an audition which is a really handy thing to have right because 
a lot of people have gone in without meeting with the accompanist first, which that can be difficult, yeah. right? Because it's already nerve-wracking enough to get up an audition, let alone, you know, am I going to know the music or is the music in the right key for them? So now the way it goes, most people do have a chance to rehearse before going into that Ooh. audition, which is, a, which is a great feeling. Ooh. Or else it can be, it can be incredibly awkward. <laughs> I've had some pretty, <laughs> pretty awkward experiences. So. Yeah, I'm thinking like if I ever do want to branch out, it's good that we're having this conversation because I honestly probably would just roll up and assume that I just had to sing. I wouldn't know that there would be a keyboard or anything until I walked in the door and saw you there like, okay, let, we're going to yeah. do this thing now. Does that and, ever... And, you know, some most yes that has happened now mo the way most shows work now once they're announced and the day of auditions are announced it will say if you want to audition for let's say dorothy from the wizard of oz there's going to be specific music they want to hear you sing from the show specific mm -hmm. bars of music but i have had people just show up and say oh i just decided this afternoon to audition yeah. and sometimes they'll come in with nothing or they're supposed to bring in sheet music. Typically, you have to bring music for the accompanist. Or sometimes, <laughs> or sometimes I've had kids just hand me the words to a song. <laughs> like, what <laughs> am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I have no idea. Or they'll hand me music with no words, just the music, and I don't even know <laughs> what's happening. But you know, you kind of iron it out, and I'll just have them come over to the piano and sing a few bars, and and you know, catch on and fly by the seat of your pants. Wow. And if worse comes to worse, especially with little kids that are nervous, sometimes they'll just sing happy birthday, like something that's very simple, mm -hmm. which, which is sweet. Like every director in town that I've ever met, really, they really do their best at making people feel super comfortable and helping them through the, the audition. Mm -hmm. Because most people say the audition is the worst part of the process, you know, so... Yeah. I can only imagine. So, I mean, I've seen some really amazing people, and they'll just be blotchy red messes going up there. And they're they're people that have been on the stage for every show. Yeah. But you know. Do you ever get like? To me, it kind of sounds a little bit like Groundhog Day being in those audition processes, especially if if there's only a set amount of music that the big characters are meant to sing. Like I could see that being like a bit of a nightmare. Like if I hear, you know, over the rainbow one more flip in time, I'm throwing this keyboard, walk yeah, out. It is such a good point. Yes, we play the same things over and over. Now, part of that makes it easier to cast because everyone's sung the same song. So sometimes it's easier to pick who's better. Mm -hmm. And there are some auditions that you have to sing a song from the show, but then you might be allowed to sing, you know, 30 seconds from a song of your choice to help show the range but there are times that by the end of uh you know playing for three hours in the evening i'm you know ready to barf because <laughs> it's the same song over and over or either that or i start zoning out and all of a sudden i can't really play the song <laughs> because i've just played it 50 times <laughs> like i don't know and I'll, I'll like there's some people i've just apologized to <laughs> because i you yeah, I'm like, just look at the, if, if all else fails, just look at the accompanist, act like it's my fault. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm locking this up here 
if something yeah. goes wrong, I'm looking at you going, come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. at the same time, I'm like, don't make me mad because I'll transpose it and do a key that's, you know, way out of your range. Right. I I'm just <laughs> learned what transposing means. So from Frank, so now I yeah. know. And so. by the way, I'm just kidding. I would never do that. <laughs> Ever. That's a secret weapon to have, though. Like, well, I have accidentally, and especially with kids, I feel so bad. I'll play their song, and they're too shy to tell me that I haven't transposed the keyboard properly. Oh. And they'll go through the whole song, and then they walk out, and they're upset, or they start, you know, getting teary. Yeah. And then they'll say that, that they think they were in the wrong key. And it was totally my fault. I said, oh, sweetheart, you should have just said, said something from the get-go. But when they're yeah. little, you know, so then I feel bad. I think even like as an adult, I would be like, oh, ha, oh, ha, okay, we're changing the key. Like, okay, here's here's where where we're going. Um, that's so Sorry. sounds so precious. So, um, getting to work with the little kids and and uh, oh my gosh, super cute. They're just so cute. Or sometimes they get up there and they forget to start singing. You know, I'm playing their introduction and they just stare at me. And then sometimes they get teary. And then I'll just sing with them. And I do not sing. People sometimes just assume if I play piano, I sing. Yeah. I do not sing unless you really need some help and you're little. Or you forget the words. Like one guy, and he was an adult, and I just started singing because he blanked out. I felt ridiculous, but, you know, <laughs> I play my part. Bless your heart for doing that, though. Like, because what a vulnerable position for a person to be in. Oh, yeah. And if they do it, like, I've played at music festivals before where they're competing. And they've forgotten the words. Oh, and then they look no. at the accompanist. <laughs> I'm on a stage. I'm, like, what I'm not sure what you want me to do. <laughs> like, key with one hand and then hold up the lyrics with the other. Like, yeah. <laughs> so usually now I just know if they're going to go into competition, we rehearse what's going to happen if they forget their words. Because, oh, good idea. Oh, absolutely. You know, where are we going to jump to? Or I'll just be mouthing the words. Or I'll just vamp until they get caught back. You'll do what? I'll vamp, which just means I'm going to play the same bars over and over until they kind of figure out what they're doing. Oh. It happens with vocalists, and it happens with string players or wind players, whoever I'm playing for, where you'll forget what you're doing, right? And then yeah. I'm like, uh-oh. Or they skip a page. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to play. I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but... Just keep playing these keys over and over oh. again. And oh, then wow. I'm a big sweaty mess. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I wondered how that was done. Because um, I know I've I've made mistakes, like in Wiz, where I missed a line or something. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, no. Like, how are they going to know? And the music just kept on going like nothing happened, which is kind yeah. of incredible. Yeah, that just happens. We've had people forget complete verses or mess up lines or not come on stage. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> And that's sort of, you know, sometimes there's a debate in theater whether people can use live music or should they be using recordings. Well, I think the biggest um, perk to live music is it's flexible, right? Yeah. You know, the, things happen, right? So we have to be able to just sort of fake our way through it. What an incredible talent, though, to be able to, to think on the fly and do that. Yeah. And the conductors that do these shows, I mean, they're, just, they're brilliant. They're just brilliant. They don't panic. And they'll just, and because we're in the warehouse now playing, they can yell at us to jump to wherever we need to be. It all works out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I was learning a little bit from Frank too about um, the use of microphones and uh, yeah. and how that can be so different depending on the show or you know how many people are in the pit and all of that. Do you have what are your thoughts on microphoning? Well, it's necessary. I know that it's really hard in the pit because we have no idea how we sound out in the theater. So we'll have people at intermission say, "Oh, we don't even hear the flute, or we don't even hear a saxophone." Huh. Which can be really disconcerting to the musician because we want to be heard. Yeah. So we're mic'd, but it doesn't impact us really in the warehouse because mm. it's only impacting in the house, like out in the theater. Right. But where, where it is funny is because you're mic'd, and it happened once where a musician, and she's a brilliant musician, and she was counting her bars to come in, and she had a big glissando on her instrument. And she very confidently came in at the wrong spot. Just her, all by herself. Oh, <laughs> and she, oh no. And because she knew right away she was wrong, but then she swore, but she's mic'd right at her mouth. And that's what the audience heard. <laughs> so bad. Right? Like I'm thinking uh, probably would have been better for the cow sound to come out at that moment than, than a curse <laughs> word. Oh, man. Mike is on. <laughs> Can't be talking and and don't be eating. Cause we're always eating in the pit. Like stop eating in your microphone. It's just crunch, <laughs> crunch. Oh, jeez. We have no idea how we sound out there. So we're flying blind. But anyway, it sounds like maybe that's a good thing in a way that like gives you a little more security or comfort. Because I know per- I like it, and you just have to trust the sound guy. Like, yeah. The sound. Sound technicians know what they're doing, and um, they'll learn to bring instruments up and down, you know, as they need to. So I don't really worry too much about it. Some people get really hyped up, but once the show starts, you can't do anything about it anyhow. So I worry more that the cast is able to hear what they need to hear Mm. to come in. Uh, Because the, the conductor has tried to bring, you know, the cast in before, and they just don't because they've either missed the cure, they're not hearing something. One time we lost all the power in the pit. So electric keyboards had no power. Electric guitars had no power. In this particular show, the only instrument they were going to hear was the violin. Oh. (laughs) First of all, we were all sitting in the dark because everything went out. (laughs) I mean, we couldn't see anything. We couldn't see our music. Um, So the violin just kind of carried it. Wow. And I remember, yeah, when I played Heather's, for whatever reason, my keyboard, all the power went off. And I was the only one playing for a soloist, and she had to do her whole song with no piano. Like, the poor girl. It was terrible. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Oh, my God. It felt terrible. Talk about character building. Oh, yeah. It was so stressful. Anyway, still the thing I'd prefer most to do in life. <laughs> right? It, yeah, it, that stress is almost like, it's it's worth it. And especially when you get through it, you get onto the other side of it. It's like, it, yeah. yeah, it's almost addictive. Yeah, like, it is. And when you get a really good run of a show and working with that cast, it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. I love it. So being someone who is more musical and, and you know, playing in the pit and all of those kinds of things, have you have you ever been on the stage? Um. <laughs> First of all, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, uh-oh. <laughs> well, every show I've ever done, I always have at least one nightmare before the show opens that they're putting me on stage for something, and it makes me feel sick to my stomach. Um, I did go on stage once, and it was when I lived in Guelph, 
For years, I worked as a studio pianist for dance schools, uh, which was a fantastic job. Anyway, one of the dance schools was having a recital, and they needed somebody to dance with the with the little like, four-year-olds. And I don't know why it became me that was going to go on stage and dance with these little itty-bitties, and they were so cute. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I had to do that. I don't remember. But I certainly remember being incredibly nervous. It's definitely not the, the space I like to be in. I like to be back in the warehouse. I just like to come and play my part and, and go home. I have no desire to, um, you know, be up on the stage. Even when they ask me to write a bio for the uh, program, I don't even like doing that. No. I just I just like to come in and play and enjoy the music. Yeah. So do you, do you uh, go and see other shows as well, other musicals and things? Absolutely. Because I think it's super, um, inc- I think it's really important to go and support all the other shows that mm-hmm. are going on. So, I mean, a lot of the musicals I'm playing in, but I like to go and watch the plays that are happening. And because usually I know the director and usually some of the cast members. So, and it's sort of one of those worlds I don't get enough of, you know. So, there's times I just buy a ticket for me and I just like to go and sit and sort of enjoy what's happening. It's kind of a nice, um, just a nice break, a nice escape, you know. And, and sometimes my husband, like, he likes to come to things too, but then sometimes he makes fun of things and then it makes us. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be sitting beside me. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> don't, don't rip it. <laughs> So do you find then that you, you're you able to embrace the whole show or being someone who's more musical, do you find yourself focusing more on the music or paying more attention to that side of it? Yes. And actually, I think a lot of my musical friends will say that you just want to enjoy it for what it is. But in your head, I know what's going on in that orchestra. I'm listening to the instruments. I know when something's happened but you don't mean to do that like I don't want to go into a show to critique it right? I no. don't want to enjoy so I find that overall I'm pretty good at separating sometimes it can be difficult yeah I think anybody who's involved in theater in any capacity you're going to notice things differently because of your awareness even though you do enjoy I mean I I certainly do it and I catch myself and go hey 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 we're here to just relax, not be worried about what's going over here or what's going on over there. Something exactly. natural. So, and it's a fun break, like from my everyday life, because in my everyday life, I look after elderly people, and I feel like I'm always giving all the time. And sometimes I just want to go and sit in my musical world and just escape into the fantasy of it all. Mm. Uh, Selfishly, I'm sorry, I'm super in love with tattoos and every once in a while I catch a glimpse. Can you share with me? Do you mind me asking that question? What you got going on? It's hard to see it, but one arm is just trees. It's just kind of pretty. And then my other tattoo, what I did was something I firmly believe in is that if you give a little one music, if you give a baby music, it will last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so I have a toddler hand over a keyboard. And the keyboard winds around my hand, mm-hmm. my, my arm. And it starts off, it looks like a brand new keyboard. And as, as it wraps around, it gets really decrepit and very old and chipped. I have a baby hand at the bottom of the keyboard. I have a middle-aged hand in the middle. And I have a very elderly hand at the end of the keyboard just wow. to kind of represent music through the lifetime. Wow. So, wow it's kind of neat that's sort of like my one tattoo was just because I thought it was pretty but the other one it's it's 
it's because it's something I really believe in that I think everybody of all ages is impacted by music. And I don't think you need to give every child lessons, but I think just play the radio, play music all the time. Just, you know, everybody loves music of some sort, right? Yeah. So I think it's really important. That's super And cool. even work, yeah, like even working, um, Frank and I both volunteer at Standing Oaks with the Medically Fragile, and which, and we do a music program every Wednesday. And these are people that are confined to wheelchairs. They're nonverbal. Only one person is mobile. And it is fascinating to watch what happens with these people when we play certain songs, you know, just to see them light up or just to see their muscles contract and it's just so powerful to see. And even when I play for um, some of the Alzheimer people I work with, I can play a song and they'll remember every tune. Or there's some people I work with, and even with severe Alzheimer's, they can remember how to play the piano. And, you know, they're in their 90s. And it's just, um, it's an incredible gift that I think touches every soul. I think wow. it's re it really brings people together. Yeah, good like music and good food. Yeah, uh, and good food is that what you said? Good music and good good, food? good music and good food, yeah, right? I can get behind like, that for like sure. That. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about the program that you and Frank like? What what that looks like? The types of things you guys do? Yeah, here? yeah. So every Wednesday we go into Standing Oaks, which is over near Fairwinds Retirement Home, um, near Pathways. And there, Standing Oaks is a residential setting for nine people. You have to be at least 16 to live there. And so these are people that are confined to wheelchairs. They're very medically fragile. They're on feeding tubes. Mm. So we go in and try to provide them with any kind of musical experience. It can be really difficult yeah. because these are people, they can't hold on to instruments. Um, they often, the majority of them cannot move at mm. all. Nobody speaks. Two of, the, two of the people are mostly blind. So we were thinking, you know, what are we going to do with, with people? So we will play a variety of music, anything from really loud music to lullabies. Um, often when I play a lullaby, I have things that they can touch, a feather boa, uh, little puff balls, soft blankets, and I'll rub it along their faces or um, I'll have warm water and I'll dip their hands in the warm water. Or we'll toss a balloon to see how beautifully, how slowly it floats. And just to teach them, not even teach them, but just to talk about calming down and being quiet. We, we put some people to sleep, you know, just by using the soft music. Uh, one of the, the guys that lived there, he really likes Leonard Cohen music. So as soon as we put on anything by Leonard Cohen, and he's blind, but you can see him light up, uh, we will dance with them. So with their wheelchairs, you know, dancing uh, around the room. We'll do the hokey pokey, but we'll try to move their limbs as much as we can. Uh, one girl sits on the floor and plays with a box most of the time. Like, we'll sit on the floor with her and try to interact. So it's, it's trying to be really creative. Frank will bring a saxophone in or his clarinet and let them feel the vibrations. Um, it's quite an experience because they they really are unable to even play a tambourine. They can't do any of that. So we really have to be very hands-on with them. Um, sometimes somebody will have a seizure in the middle of while we're playing. We just have to, you know, help her through it. And 
one girl screams the whole time because she gets so excited. Yeah. One guy sometimes will cry, like you'll just see a big, you know, crocodile tear going down. And I'm always thinking, you know, what are you thinking about right now? They can't tell us. It's yeah. it's fascinating. And you know Frank, like Frank is just a barrel of energy. He is so positive and so fun. So we work really well together because he's really good at getting people really excited and he's really good at leading the um, really upbeat stuff. And then I like to slow things down and to start getting them to relax a little. So Frank and I work in a really good partnership with them, which it, it's, to me, fascinating how these people, you can get a response. Like some of them have no response when they're and they can't even make eye contact. But then certain songs, you can see them. Two of the guys love Little Bunny Fufu. As soon as we start playing that song, these two gentlemen just get so excited. They can move their heads. They they love it. Yeah, it's it's really great. That sounds very emotional. Like even just hearing you describe it, like I can feel you know myself getting a little teary eyed about the impact and 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 just thinking about like you said, what are, what are they thinking about when they can't tell you what what memories are getting brought up? What what's their experience like when they can't share that with you? So that's right how powerful yeah and for somebody that's maybe just been staring at the ceiling all of a sudden mm -hmm. she makes eye contact you know or she gets a little smile on her face as i you know rub her cheekbone with a teddy bear you yeah. know something like that it's it's just really a neat thing i think music should be incorporated into every setting mm -hmm. we have i really do mm -hmm. wow like i i've always loved music like we i grew up in a house where mom was always playing music but there are so many things about that experience that that are not part of my world that I hadn't thought of. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you sharing that with me. Yeah. Do, you, do you mind sharing about the, the, the Alzheimer's group as well? Yes. Well, I work, I work for a company called Home Instead. So we go into people's homes to help people stay in their homes. Oh. You know, people that they don't want to go into long-term mm. care. Or we will provide respite for spouses that are looking after an Alzheimer, a, a spouse with Alzheimer's. Mm. You know, it's really difficult. And what I, like, there was one woman, and I, just lovely, but severe advanced Alzheimer's. Just a gentle soul, very happy. But I remember, I, I didn't tell her that I was going to put some music on, but I, I found out that she had been quite religious. And uh, I just started playing some gospel music, mm. just on YouTube. And immediately while she was eating, she got really still and then had a big smile on her face. And she knew I was playing Amazing Grace. And then I found out that she loved Frank Sinatra, her husband told me. So I started playing Frank Sinatra. And not only did it bring a smile to her face, but her mobility and all of a sudden got better. Wow. She was able to take my hands and kind of dance a little bit. In the kitchen, like it just, it's almost like it just took her back to this more youthful time and she would sing. And I knew she had been quite a dancer. And for me, I didn't know her super well, but all of a sudden, you know, I could picture her as a, you know, a 20 year old in dance halls, yeah. dancing to that sort of thing. My grandmother, years ago, she was um, up in her 90s. And you could, oh. <laughs> oh, please, please, I'm sorry, continue. There's just, okay. we got a tea spill. So. <laughs> okay, we're just going to move this here. Please continue. <laughs> she was so medically, like she was so fragile in her chair. She never knew who I was. But you could roll her up to a piano. And with those hands, she could play 
like there was no tomorrow, just beautiful music. And I remember being really little and just enthralled by the ability to, she couldn't speak. She couldn't tell me what that was, the, the song was called, but she could play. And so when I had my tattoo done, kind of modeled the hand after her hand. So the hand on my arm is very gnarled and with arthritic fingers mm. and with, you know, the, the veins, um, because that's what I remember as a little girl, just watching the beauty of those hands wow. play. So wow. I think there's so much with music we haven't tapped into yeah. yet, you know? Wow. So that, yeah. I'm so sorry. My cat jumped and spilled tea in the middle of that beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, one of the hazards of these co-hosts. Um, we are, we are getting close to, to that 50 minute mark. And I usually try to try to leave space at the end. If there's, you know, a, a, a cause or, um, a side hustle or, you know, a, an Etsy page, whatever you want to bring awareness to or promote, uh, doesn't have to be theater related. It really, anything at all. It, the, the, the floor is yours. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> You know, I think after working with um, medically fragile and special needs, I would love to encourage the general public to make visits to those places. And if you have any kind of gift, whether it be just visiting, whether it be an art form, whether it be music, what well, you know, it can be anything. Go into these places, bring children into these places and bridge the gap between the ages and bridge the gap between different developmental abilities and capabilities just to help tighten the community. Mm. I think it's beneficial to everybody to, to be communal in that way. We've got a lot going on in the city. And I would love to see everybody know the different populations we have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to help out where you can. Because not only can we give to those that need it, those people give just as much, if not more, you know, back to us, yeah. for sure. Just the experiences yeah. alone, it sounds dynamic and, and important. Mm -hmm. So yeah. are, there, um, are there particular organizations that you, you would recommend? Or just hit the Google and, and find, find hit ways? Hit the Google. Yeah, and, and just, I, I mean, I, I personally love community living. I think it is highly underfunded and in such high need. And really anything dealing with the elderly, for sure. There are a lot of volunteer opportunities, and it doesn't have to be fancy, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just something that feeds the soul, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're kind of missing that element in life that you're feeling a little unfulfilled or a little disconnected, you know, go out and get involved. There's a lot of people that would love it. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. That's an excellent, excellent message. I would love to, if you would send me a picture of your tattoo, if you felt comfortable doing oh. so, um, I would love to see it. Uh, like I say, big dork about tattoos. Absolutely love them. And, uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. This was a lot of fun and I've learned a ton about things that I didn't expect to learn about. So, so thank you for taking a chance on me well, and thank so much. Well, thanks for having me. That was great. Right I on. It's nice to get to. Well, yeah, that's super. Well, thank you. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Have a good afternoon. All right, you too. Bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. 
Thank you, Val, for being such a good sport about the tea incident. I am seriously rethinking, including my furry little co-hosts in the process in future. Thank goodness my laptop survived. Next week, there will not be an episode of Sarnia Famous. I'm traveling to Vancouver to see my stepsister for the first time since the pandemic began, and I'm pretty flippin' excited about it, but I promise we will restart again the following week. See you then.